0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is another episode of Out of Grief Comes Art from Grief Dialogues Dynamic Duo. Hallie Williams and Elizabeth Copeland. Elizabeth Copeland?
1: Sorry.
0: (laughs) Uh, Off
1: mic for a second there.
0: (laughs) And Elizabeth and I are here today with Gwen Goodkin. Um, I'm super excited to have her. Uh, She is an amazing writer, author, um, and also just kind of outright brilliant. So (laughs) I love talking to her. Before we get too into um, her episode, I want to play for you guys a recording of our sponsorship. Uh, Today is from Be Present Care, which is an amazing organization.
1: This episode is sponsored in part by Be Present Care, an organization that provides guidance, support, and conversation for transitions, caregiving, and end-of-life planning. Visit www. BePresentCare.com
0: to learn more. Awesome. So thank you, Be Present Care, for sponsoring us. We love you guys so much. And now let's talk to Gwen. Hi, Gwen.
2: Hi. Thanks for having me here.
0: Thanks for being here. So I know you or first met you through Grief Dialogues. And you wrote, you've actually, I think you've written a couple pieces for us. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, a couple essays. couple essays. And there was one that she wrote around the time of my dad passing, or maybe it was right before, but as I was reading it and getting it all up on the website, it was about her father. And so for me, it was just very helpful as I was navigating through my own grief in that moment. It was just good, good reading for my soul at that time.
2: <laughs> oh, that's, I'm happy to hear that because that's, you know, kind of why we write. You know just to connect with other people and maybe help them through sharing our own experiences so right. i know i'm happy
0: that it was helpful yeah and so when i read that piece and i actually was reading it up close that kind of took me down this rabbit hole of reading other things from you and looking at your website and recognizing you in my mind really as just an iconic author um so I know. So I'm very excited to have you here and just kind of pick your brain on your creative process and where you've been. And um, so I guess I'll start by reading her bio, her official bio, but I always think it's so much better when we can just talk to them, get to know them as person. But in short, guys, Gwen Goodkin is the author of the short story collection, A Place Remote. She's a recipient of a silver IPPY award. She has won the Folio Editor's Prize for Fiction, as well as the John Steinbeck Award for Fiction. Um, of course, if you want more information, you can visit her website, GwenGoodkin.com. And as always, I try to include all of the websites and links and Twitter, Instagram stuff um, on, in our description. So be sure to click that. But all right, Gwen, tell us a little about yourself. How did you get into writing in the first place?
2: Um it's kind of a long circuitous path, so I'll try not to be long and circuitous about my description <laughs> here. But um I, I I feel like every time I hear a writer ask this question, they're like, Oh, I've been writing since I was two, you know, and mm-hmm. I have not. So <laughs> okay, I was more into like science uh, as you know, in my adolescence, and I thought that's the way mm-hmm. I would go, but I ended up majoring in English in college and I've always been an obsessive reader my Mm. whole life like Mm. books were just my solace a lot Mm. of the time um but after college after I graduated I was working corporate and I was you know kind of looking for things to occupy myself with other than work you know and partying Uh, (laughs) (laughs) what we do in early 20s but oh yeah um, so I, I ended up kind of going back towards writing, I took a poetry workshop in college, but poetry I found really wasn't my thing. Mm. So um, I just took some classes, some, uh, I took extension classes online, and I took extension classes here at UCSD
0: yeah.
2: in San Diego, where I live. And then, um, and then I started going to workshops and it just kind of became a gradual thing where I'm like, I'll try this. Okay, maybe I'll try that. And so then until it became almost more of a like a full-time habit that I do, I try to do as much as possible.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so then what prompted the short story collection? And, and I mean, I guess, so writing articles like, and then you submit them to grief dialogues, is that just kind of off of you just having an organic love for writing? And then you're like, oh, I can submit this and share it. Or did something really prompt you to write these things specifically, or the article specifically?
2: um well uh so the short story book that i had published um that i went to grad school and as part of my grad school i was writing short stories because they're a lot easier to workshop than like a full novel okay um but then as my thesis i wrote a novel and um i couldn't couldn't find an agent for it so out of i had quite a few agents and so i said well let me try go back to my short stories and try my short stories so then That becomes like a whole thing, like just process that's crazy Uh and just, you know, you can submit like a hundred times, you can submit to a hundred places. Oh, and you hear
0: nothing, right? Like they sometimes they don't even tell you no, they just don't respond. I've heard this from other writers.
2: That's, I find that bad, uh, bad professional. That's not professional to me. At least just send a rejection. But yeah. uh, So the first Piece greatest gizmo that was on the Greek dialogues was ac- I'd actually had it published before and it was in the anthology in the book mm. the stories on love and loss mm-hmm. uh, and yep. I met Elizabeth through a playwriting uh, workshop actually okay and I saw her say okay I'm gonna put together this anthology if you want to submit um, you know so I did and then it was included in that book and then I met Elizabeth in person. Um, and, uh, she was talking about the book and promoting the book. And I said, well, what do you, do you need anything? And yeah. she said, well, we could use some, some stuff for the blog. Some, so that's when I wrote, uh, I think it's the mute dinner guest.
0: Yes. Oh, that's a good so, yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah.
2: so that's how that process played out.
0: Okay. Okay. So tell me a little bit then about your grief story, which helps spur this art out of grief comes art.
2: Um, well, I would say, well, my dad died when I was seven. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a long grief story.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, I, and he was sick for a very long time with cancer. So, Mm. um, but you know, I was just thinking like that he died in the eighties and we just didn't have resources back then to deal with this, to deal Mm -hmm. with kids and even, even adults really, I didn't think had many resources to deal with grief. Um, so i just kind of kept it inside and that's actually part of my grief story is that like i didn't talk about it i didn't even know um i think it's in one of these that i didn't even know that he actually died of spinal cancer i thought he had d- died of lung cancer i didn't know this until i was like 28 oh wow I, yeah
0: yeah so you guys that's really how
2: little we talked about it
0: yeah i was gonna say this it was not a comp- it was not an yeah you didn't talk about yeah. it. Uh, you know, no, I,
2: so I only found out that he died of spinal cancer when I asked, a doctor asked me, and I'm like, I don't know. Well, actually, he died of medulloblastoma, but, um, okay. and I said, well, I don't know what he died of, so I had to ask my mom, but, I mean, that's how little we talked about it, and yeah. I think that's what, you know, ultimately led me to be a writer's, because I could actually finally process it, and it, I could yeah. do it on my own. Right. So, and it took me that long. I mean, like I said, I wasn't writing from a young age. I didn't really start seriously writing till like my late 20s, early 30s. And it took me that long to just start to deal with it.
0: Okay. You know, you were saying, you know, oh, it was the 80s. We didn't have a lot of resources, kids and adults alike, right? Mm-hmm. I think that the resources piece has developed over time. Like, I think we do now have a lot of resources to deal with grief, but I don't think the mindset has evolved a lot over time. I mean, mm-hmm. I, the only reason that I knew I had resources, quite honestly, when my dad just recently passed, was because I do grief dialogues work. And so I was like, okay, you know, these things exist, right? But I, if I hadn't had that, I probably, like, my family doesn't talk about death either. So um, I probably would have been, like, out here in the wind, like, I I don't, I would be in the same same boat of, I just, I don't, I'm not really sure, and we don't talk about it, and you
2: that's mean. what i've said has been my favorite part of grief dialogues is that i feel actually part of a
0: community oh, otherwise okay. you just
2: feel like you're on your own you're just some island floating by yourself even now i still don't really have a lot of friends whose parents have died
0: yeah still. and and so it's kind of my 40s oh, okay all right it's so like...
2: you know i have some friends whose parents have died but not many their their parents are still around and like loving and supportive <laughs> and i'm like well I'm happy for you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't have that experience. So, and it's hard when you have kids and your parent, you know, we have a parent missing and, you know, my mom lives far away and, you know, even then you feel like on an island. So. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I, I totally yeah. yeah because I mean you guys all know that I have kids two kids under five and so mm-hmm. I'm in the trenches as my mother tells me she just looks at me and yes. she's like you're in the trenches <laughs> and, and yeah. it is I think though important I mean well at least now with the recent deaths in my life I'm like trying to get them to to wrap their head around death as a concept and even process it and I'm I mean right I Do out of grief comes art things so i try to promote artsy stuff i'm like let's color let's write my son my oldest son right now is really into trying to write songs so that's pretty (laughs) fun Mm -hmm. but um okay so anyways not that we're here to listen about my four-year-old writing songs but (laughs) but, (laughs) but okay so um the great gizmo is you guys should go onto the website and read it. The Mute Dinner Guest is also another amazing piece that Gwen has wrote. But The Great Gizmo is personally my favorite just because it is about dad. And um, I, how long did it take you to write that piece? Because to me, it is like a fine wine. Really, I've read it many times because it's just very poignant. um, It's to the points, but it's very mysterious. and, And I don't, I'm not quite sure how you were able to capture all that, but but you did. And it makes me very emotional and feel also very grounded at once. So um, how long did it take you? And what was the process behind that one?
2: Um, well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Oh, um, yeah. I can't remember how long it took me, but uh, I write both fiction and nonfiction. Mm. And obviously this is a nonfiction piece, but um, it's a different process for me mm. writing fiction and nonfiction and not just because oh, I got to tell the truth in one and not tell the truth in the other. Right. Or, you know, actually I, I say you have to tell the truth more in fiction than nonfiction, but whatever. Oh, um, it's a whole Ooh. different conversation.
0: Ooh. <laughs> Next topic. Okay.
2: <laughs> but um, uh, for me essays, because I write both fiction and nonfiction, yeah. I, I tend to write and I write more fiction. I tend to write my nonfiction like a story.
0: Like Mm. I want to hook you, I want to get
2: you interested, Mm I want to take you through. And most people when they write an essay, they want to give you the point and then prove the point.
0: Yes, right, yes.
2: When I write an essay, I want to withhold the point. Yeah. Me personally, I withhold the point of the essay on purpose because that's in fiction, I've I've been taught in fiction, like if you give someone the point, it's dead in the water, right? And Ah. that that informs how I write nonfiction. Um, but for me a lot of nonfiction, when i'm writing it is an arrangement it's kind of more like a mosaic to me yeah and i want it kind of i piece it together so that it forms like a bigger picture Mm -hmm. so it's more um i spend more time revising it because i want the arrangement of it just right
0: well you did a great job because that your piece that's why it's one of my favorites is because you're not quite sure what you're talking about but at the same time i feel like as the reader in my soul, in my gut, I know exactly what you're talking about. Does, does that yes. make sense?
2: I try okay. to, like I said, I withhold the point, but I try to get you to feel a, sp- a specific thing. Yeah. I specifically want you to feel this thing or connect with your experience. Yeah. So, so you have to, you know, I feel like you have to leave room for a person to put their own experience and their own feelings
0: into something like that. And Right, insert, okay, so then... I'm going to ask you a question, which I don't know if if that's, if this is a weird question, but is it hard for you to, do you feel vulnerable while you're writing about, about your grief? Do you, I mean, is there, are you, I know this happened to you in your childhood, but is this therapeutic for you or do you feel more on a mission like this is going to help someone else or um, like what level of vulnerability is attached when you're working on the nonfiction things that are, are about your life versus like a fiction piece?
2: Um, I think yeah, you definitely I think if you want people to feel a certain way or feel vulnerable themselves, you mm-hmm. have to do that yourself as the writer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to be vulnerable Can't and show it. yourself you have to give yeah. them the opportunity and you have to show them, hey, I'm doing it, you can do that too I think yeah. um, I don't go into a piece thinking, oh I'm gonna you know um, I'm gonna make the reader feel this or make the reader think that. I just go in first thinking, well, this is what I want to say. This is what I want to tell. This is a story I want to tell. And right. then as I go along, I want them to feel the emotions that I'm feeling. Right. So, um, and I have to think of a way to do it that's not too in their face, right? So and kinda... and does
0: what you just said, allows them to insert their own, right? Because yeah. like your piece is so therapeutic to me. And I, I'm just speak for myself, like I was able to read it over and over and over in the thick of losing my dad right and it was just very helpful for me because I was inserting my own my own grief in it and and quite selfishly I was not thinking about your grief at all I was reading that story and absorbing it and adapting it to my own so it's very interesting for me now to be interviewing you and kind of like okay wait hold on this was actually somebody else's grief how was that you know so yeah,
2: but I think that's what we're supposed to do as artists, like even mm-hmm. any kind of artists, musicians, and like you're talking about your son writing music. Yeah, I think that's what good art, if I can say that, I think that's what good yeah. art does, right. is it, it presents itself, but you can it's almost it can be like a mirror, you can make um, it your own. Yeah,
0: yeah. I so, guess that's true.
2: Huh. Um, I'm glad you weren't thinking about my grief. I want I want to dis. you want to disappear as a writer right. into the background and let the reader be in the foreground
0: that's true I do think yeah. I yeah I I mean I think that's true right because to some degree what is the point of art yeah you know
2: I mean it's twofold I mean come on there's some selfishness to it as the artist in terms of wanting oh, to yeah. express yourself and, yeah. and get something inside of yourself out right But if you just want to do that then you can just do that but if that's something that you get outside of yourself if it can help other people or if you can connect with other people through it. Right. Then that's, that's the greatest part.
0: Yeah. There's a part in the great gizmo, um, where, um, Miss Jack, is it Miss Jack
2: mm-hmm.
0: is the principal. And you like knew exactly who you wanted to speak to in that moment. And you had a very like hard reaction. Um, and you were a kid, right? Yes. Which made me think about, um, kind of as a child you know you just you just follow your gut right like you just, you're you just like going off of what you feel and there's usually not a filter i'm learning that yes. with a four-year-old you're just like yeah, when he's I'm mad <laughs> yeah like when he's mad, he's mad <laughs> yes exactly and then like fast forward to being an adult and you go through something difficult and there's all these filters that come in you're like i'm not supposed to outburst i'm not supposed to mm-hmm. you know i'm not y- we like we stop ourselves right um, what's your take on losing someone or going through grief? Cause be, I'm learning more and more that grief doesn't just have to be death. Right. But yes, handling grief as a child. And you said that your family didn't really talk about it a lot. I know that you have children cause you shared that with me. Like what's your take on that? How do you, how do you navigate that with kids?
2: How do you navigate grief with kids? Yeah. Um,
0: knowing yeah, that they don't have those adult filters, right? Like, yes. Yeah.
2: Um, I would say if we're talking about, a my, one of my friends recently had, I think it was her cousin who died suddenly and she mm. had, she was like in her thirties and had a couple kids and she called me, my friend saying, what do I say to this child? She has two kids. And I think one of the kids was at a sleepover when it happened. And I said, what well, you should say to this kid is it's not your fault. <laughs> Because no matter what, just kids are going to frame it as why you know this. In my mind, I thought this kid would think you know if I would have been there, I could have saved her. That's probably what's going to be going through this this kid's mind. Yeah, kids usually Mm -hmm. at a certain age, and that's um, you know what comes out in the greatest gizmo is with Miss Jack, and she was my first grade teacher, and I was trying so hard to be perfect and. And, you know, maybe that would help my situation. I'm trying not to give too much of it away, Right,
0: right, me too, um, is why it's hard, this is hard to. (laughs) Yeah,
2: (laughs) but um, I think with kids, uh, the best thing you can do for grief is maybe not, ask them questions, ask them how they're doing, ask them how they're feeling. Let them know that you're a safe person to talk to and that they can express how they feel Mm -hmm. and you won't judge them or you won't react in a a negative way. and let them know that even, even as um, ridiculous as it may sound, that they may may not have had any control over whether their parent died. But let them know it wasn't their fault.
0: Yeah, I I'm in a phase right now where I obviously work with grief dialogues, and so I am introducing death conversations to our dinner table regularly, and trying to oh. not make them so, um, you know, like. <gasps> Death, right? So, but here's mm-hmm. the interesting thing that I'm running into is my four-year-old. Uh, as you guys know, my dad died and then our family dog died right after. Um, and so that was super hard. And the dad thing was hard because that's Papa's grandpa. But the dog thing is actually proven to be a little harder for my four-year-old. That's the one he's really latched on So right now, every stuffed animal is named Kona. Everything, you know, every imaginary friend is Kona. So it's very interesting. But he will be around we'll have friends come over for dinner or something and then he'll say oh and this is this is my teddy bear and his new name is Kona because Kona is my dog that died and then he just looks at them in that four-year-old no filter way and it's so interesting to watch adults who have all the filters and don't want to talk about death as Mm -hmm. they kind of just look at the four-year-old and they're like I don't know what to say right (laughs) they don't know how to navigate it or talk about it and
2: Um, I was going to say when you were talking about speaking with your kids about death, the pet, I mean, our dog, uh, we had an older dog who died a few years ago yeah. and our kids still talk about her all the time.
1: Yeah.
2: All the time. Yeah. We, they were just talking about her yesterday. Her name was Luna and they say, you know, we have another dog now. His name's Benny. And they say, Benny's the best boy dog in the world, but Luna's the best girl dog. They just, they still include her in all their conversations. So
0: yeah.
2: an, another, I would say another piece of advice for kids is to, whatever you're grieving to keep that still alive somehow and speak about that person or you know maybe they're grieving uh, you know their family their family has gotten divorced their parents have gotten divorced
0: yeah i mean and
2: And you can still talk about memories of that family and arts
0: arts is like a great way to capture that i mean if you can i think for children i mean it could be whatever form but if it's in song or even drawing a picture or whatever Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean okay well thanks for talking about my dog, but, okay, so I, so you have a place remote, which is a collection of short stories, right? Yes. But aren't you mm-hmm. also working on something else new? Are, will you tell me anything about it?
2: Yeah. Um, well, I'm always working on a bunch of things, but, okay. uh, so I, a place remote was a collection of short stories. Yep. Um, and I have, Another collection of short stories that's almost finished uh, i'm still kind of working on one or two okay um and still trying to get a couple published and it's a very long title so uh and i don't know if that'll stay the title but right now it's called come disastrous water rise o deadly sea so, Oh wow
0: okay long <laughs> and i i you might have just said this was it fiction or nonfiction?
2: that's fiction Ooh, um okay yeah and it's more so uh place remote was very um it was set it's set in Ohio and it's very of like the earth and Mm -hmm. ground Mm -hmm. and this other story collection um is more set in California and more with water and um more female the other one was very male okay um energy so
0: okay now do you find or well I guess it's different projects because now you are an author of all things right but um Mm -hmm. a place remote does that have anything to do with your grief or is your grief story from, cause it's from Ohio and you're from there, right? Yes. Okay. Okay.
2: Um, definitely has to do with my grief story. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny because someone was saying that, uh, they thought a place remote was a book about love. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I actually think it's a book about grief. Mm. So I think each of the stories have some, a character is grieving something, you know, a uh, grief, uh, you know, loss, loss of youth, loss of a parent, loss of a child, loss of a relationship. So
0: I would I mean, argue, to some degree, grief is love.
2: Yes, that's what I said. Yeah, I said, well, they're intertwined, right? Love yeah. and grief.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. I think so. I mean, yeah. I think when when there is a loss of anything and we want to mourn it, it is it is really love, like swirling around you and just trying to figure out what to do with itself yeah right go where to go, where it go? Layers, yes yeah uh, okay so I'm really excited about the new works that you're always working on um I also think that's why I like Gwen so much guys because like I'm a crazy lady with I like run around always with ten projects going on <laughs> and I identify that with Gwen but she does it so sophisticatedly she's so she's so eloquent in her in her like I'm doing this and this and this and this and I'm like oh you have got it together and I don't. <laughs>
2: So. Shh, don't tell anybody. I do not have it together.
0: Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I uh, have three kids. I can't even keep straight who's where and what at the time. And wow. I have another three kid mom uh, that we just laugh about how you know we're barely like hanging on at the you know
0: by, our <laughs> by a threat. Yeah, I <laughs> I totally feel that. Okay, so um as we wrap up this podcast episode, I always try to make a point, and well, Elizabeth has encouraged us to always make a point of asking what is your advice to any writer or author um who is looking to okay first of all looking to write and get their foot in the door what is what is your advice in that technical sense but also as a writer who's going through grief do you have any tidbits for them that you'd like to share
2: um in terms of um if you're just starting out to be be a writer. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I tell people to do is to make it a habit. Um, mm. Just if you're going to pick a time a day or if you can. Um, I know not everybody can, but I write always in the morning and I kind of have to have my own space. And I sometimes I write 10 pages and sometimes I write one sentence or sometimes I don't write at all. I just, but you have to sit there through the, it can be painful sometimes if you're stuck or whatever. Yeah. But you have to sit there and sit there and then to wait for the lightning to strike. So, and then when the lightning strikes, you can take off again. Okay. Um, But, but make it a habit is my um, number one piece of advice.
0: Okay. Yeah. I am not strong at writing because it forces me to think. And then I have to be vulnerable with myself. And then I don't like to be vulnerable with myself. And then I get the antsy waiting for the lightning to strike. And then I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm out. I'm out. So. Um, you can. You can do it. I know. I, I would can. say it's
2: like a muscle, like a muscle you have to exercise. You know, I just have to keep exercising that muscle.
0: Totally. So. Okay. Thank you so much yeah. for your insight today on our podcast. Elizabeth, Thanks for having me. Yes. Elizabeth, do you have any other questions for Gwen? Yeah.
1: No, I think this is this is always fun to, to hear what you're working on, Gwen. And I have to agree with Hallie that uh, you're always doing so many things. And uh, I actually took a note here reminding myself that you have to make it a habit because there does seem to be always something else that gets done or should get done or needs to get done or or something. And and, and I love writing, and but mm. I don't make it a priority. And so making it a priority is vital to, to having an output of any kind yeah um i also want to um just ask you a quick question now if, so a lot of our people say oh i can't write and like not <laughs> but we're encouraging people to to get out there and write something that gets published in a book but um do you have any thoughts for, for someone who's basically just wants to do something a little artistic and they're dealing with grief and i don't know something with words do you have any ideas around what people could do with words as part of an art form
2: just for fun um you mean like writing through grief is that what yeah yes. okay right um try I guess if you're having trouble in one because I write in multiple genres mm. so mm-hmm. um if maybe if you're if it's not working for you in one genre try a different genre that's my suggestion oh, um, okay like I said poetry is not not my it's my weakest I can write it but I don't like to write it but Mm -hmm. you know some people love poetry but maybe you know there are people out there who are trying to write an essay and they can't get out what they want maybe they just try a poem try that right
1: oh that's a good idea or just something free form right just just do it for yourself just put down on paper your own thoughts um great okay well Yes, I, I echo Hallie's thank you, as always, Gwen, to um, tap, chat with you. And uh, we do plan to have another book coming out in the, hopefully now, in the next year. I have, we are trying to time it around the launch of another big project so it all comes out at the same time. So hopefully by the spring of 2023, we'll, we'll have that book um, coming.
0: So we'd love to have you in that book as well, of course.
1: so thank you I'll let you do the sign off Um,
0: okay guys so if you would like to read and keep up with Gwen of course here is her website GwenGoodkin.com and Goodkin is G-O-O-D-K-I-N of course I'll link it all up on our social media Um, and then she's on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook as well if you guys have any questions for Gwen of course send them our way and I'll shoot them to her or just go or skip me you can skip me it's fine. I won't be offended. And you can go straight to her website. Um, thanks, Gwen. I'm so excited for the next thing that you have come out. I'll be the first one to sign up and be at the book line for a signature. So thank you thank so you. much for taking some time out of your day today to be with us. We really appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, this has been another awesome episode of Out of Grief Comes Art. I hope hope that you have a lovely Wednesday today. Start your day off um, with some positivity and do something creative and send it our way. Have a great one.